This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I am your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversants are mother and daughter pair, Anna and Brett. Earlier this week, Brett posted a picture of her daughter on Twitter, celebrating her daughter's desistance from a trans identity. This thread kind of got steam, and as is the case with threads that get steam, it was picked up by people of a variety of opinions, and eventually it landed in a radical activist group, and they dogpiled or all ganged up on Brett and told her a bunch of stories about her daughter moving out and going to commit suicide and that Brett, for some reason, needs to be put into a retirement home. And then somebody called Child Protective Services, or the Illinois branch of the Child Protective Services, on them and that woman arrived and questioned Brett and Anna about possible abuse that was going on. There was no abuse found, but even though Anna wasn't removed from her mother, it still could have been the case that that could have happened, and it shines a light on certain bad actors within certain activist communities are willing to go the distance to shut up dissent that they don't like. I had the opportunity to speak with Anna and Brett and hear more of their story, hopefully to humanize this situation and to counteract the dehumanization that happens online. So without further ado, here is Anna and Brett. So where, where should we begin? Who, who would like to venture first? Anna, would you like to? I'll let my just... mom go first because okay. I don't know where to start. Okay. Um, so as you know, on Sunday, uh, the hashtag Young Gender Critical Women Unite was, was trending. And so I thought, you know what? I don't have a big Twitter following and that was never even my intention. I just was like, that's a good hashtag. I That's a good hashtag to tell about my, my teenager who you know, has now become gender critical after her experience. And so I just made my evil abusive post as everyone has now seen by now. And I, I posted that on Sunday, the hashtag was trending Monday. I made the post and by Tuesday, the death threats were coming in. Hmm. Could you, uh, I'll put it on the screen, but what was the content of your post? It was a couple of uh, photographs. Yeah, I posted a picture of Anna and she was just, she really liked that picture of herself. She was smiling in it, apparently not enough to some people. Sorry, I'm not trying to be petty. It's, this has just been, I have, you know, a lot of petty feelings I'm trying to work through with the people who have done this. But um, it was a picture that I liked of Anna. She liked that picture of herself and an outfit that she chose for herself. And I just put, you know, um, I didn't affirm my daughter when she was going through this stuff. I, uh, I just removed her from the contagion and I said, and the contagion. So, you know, the context I meant was social contagion. That's kind of the best description for it right now, since it is so peer influenced. And I just said, I removed her from the contagion and, uh, a year later, she's not even, you know, interested in gender stuff at all. And she's thriving. And I put that hashtag and then, uh, 
it just kind of blew up. It um, several pretty large accounts picked it up, and I I stumbled on one, and it was pretty intense. The uh, comments under the retweet were about how they felt so sorry for this young trans man that they're probably going to be dead and is going to be dead in a couple of years. And uh, there was a, a lot of assumptions uh, that were over the top and I thought completely and thoroughly uh, unwarranted and inappropriate, but it didn't just stop with uh, a bunch of mean people on the internet. It spilled over into real life. It, it did. As a matter of fact, um, Anna, do you want to tell about uh, Thursday, how that day went down? Oh, yeah. Um, DCFS showed up. Could you, uh, I always uh, have problems with the acronyms. Do you guys know what that DCSF means? It's the, it's, in Illinois, we have the Department of Child and Family Services. Okay. Um, so it's basically CPS. It's a lot like CPS. Yeah. And... Just for uh, sake of the story, what were they wearing? Was it a bunch of people in SWAT gear, or they were no? Uh, it was actually only one person, um, uh, probably a woman in her forties, and she just had on a t-shirt and some jeans. They so what she the way she explained it to me when she was here is that they review your criminal history before they send DCFS over because they have a um, assigned police officer if they need it if there's a history in the case report of violence or any you know any reason that they should suspect they they could be in danger and um so at one point she actually told me she's like this is very bizarre because you you know she said i didn't bring a police officer with me um because you have no criminal history your husband has no criminal history you're like there's nothing and did they call first or they just show up at your doorstep they just show up at your doorstep, um, yeah. do a surprise visit, catch you, catch you off guard. So, and I, I assume they interviewed both of you. And Anna, what was that like? What were your What was your first reactions when this was going? Um, when I when I saw the person show up, uh, I immediately went outside and was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> I was like really confused and anxious about them showing up because like what if it was what if they sent someone who was really woke and what if they also thought that i was being abused so i and, was i was pretty anxious when they first yeah. showed up. and uh I, I assume they they questioned both of you did they separate you two and anna what did it feel like being questioned was it like kind of being grilled or uh what was the quality of the woman's questioning um, it was very chill, like, cause she had already, she talked to my mom before she talked to me. And so by the time she talked to me, she was like, we showed her everything that had been going on on Twitter to show that these people are crazy and it's not, um, you know, no abuse is happening and these people are just like losing their minds hmm. and, um, Anyways, so it was it was very chill. The questioning was very chill. So what did she ask about? Did she ask about your gender? She asked, or, yeah. she asked if I felt safe. Okay. And um, I don't remember what else she asked. But yeah, she asked if I felt safe. And I was like, yeah, I feel safer than ever. Hmm. Like, I'm 
glad that my mother didn't let me mutilate my body. And Brett, what was it like for you? Um, I was, honestly, I was kind of scared just because we live in the state of Illinois and um, Illinois is a very, it's one of those states that embraces a lot of these policies. And so there was the thought that what if I got a young social worker who came in here and found out that this was about me not affirming Anna? And what if, you know, that was what had come through and then she grills Anna, you know what I mean? If she were to, not grills Anna, but what if, if she were to go be a big believer in all this gender identification stuff, she could have been like, well, why didn't, you know, why won't you affirm her? And I was just worried that it was going to spiral from there that because I'm not affirming her in the eyes of, I mean, cause in some States that is considered abuse by some social workers, they do think that's abusive. Um, I'm lucky I had one that I showed her my tweet and the messages I had. And she was just like, I'm scared for you, actually, more than I'm like, I think you guys are in danger, but you're not the cause of the danger. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who actually made me file a police report. Man, do you want to fix your lighting? Um, yeah, Miley was messing with the lights. Miley's always messing with something, isn't she? Oh, <laughs> Miley is definitely always messing with something. <laughs> I am, I'm sorry. When DCFS showed up, um, Anna was actually home that day because she had broken her glasses the night before, and I couldn't send her to school being physically unable to see, you know, because that gives her such a headache, and, and her vision really is rough. And so that's why she was home. So, uh, I'm sure when the worker came up to the house and saw my teenage daughter home on a school day, she was like, uh, what? Mm -hmm. But well, back to your worries, if Anna was in the middle of her, her struggle, and if you were in the middle of your struggle with, uh, the gender issue and, uh, child protective services showed up, uh, things could have gone really differently if you guys were just happened to have a fight or if you guys were struggling in your relationship, it, it's very worrisome to have the government be so invasive on the off chance that they're saving a certain percentage of people from actual abuse. So Anna, would you like to speak about uh, your exposure to the gender issue and, and where you picked that up? Uh, what kind of forums, what kind of activities you were doing and why it was so fascinating or captivating? Um, it started in seventh grade. That was when I was first exposed to it. Um, I, at the time, I identified as a lesbian. And so I was only hanging out with like the queer kids. I was only hanging out with like gay kids and all that. And um, I first found out about trans people because one of the kids there uh, was a girl who identified as a boy. And um, she was like talking about like pronouns and stuff. And I was very confused and I asked questions cause I was curious. And so I started learning more about like what gender identity was. And um, about a year later um, when COVID hit, I was lonely and I was isolated cause we couldn't go physically to school and see other people and socialize. So I found a community online. I found a community on the internet who like I could talk to. 
and um, my mental health really went downhill during COVID um, because of all the isolation and um, because I couldn't hang out with my friends like I used to be able to. And um, I started like dressing like a boy, um, like a boy. I started wearing hoodies and sweatpants because um, that was just what made me feel comfortable. And then eventually I cut my hair and um, it was around like after all that happened, that was when I really started to question my own gender identity. And um, at first I thought I was non-binary because I didn't really want to be a boy, but I didn't feel like a girl either because I was exposed to all these people who were telling me, like, if you, if you didn't like girl, if you didn't like girly things as a little kid, then you're probably trans. That's what I was told. And when I was younger or when I was in like elementary school, I was a tomboy. I hung out with mostly boys and, um, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends. And as I got older, I was taught that that meant I was a boy. So I changed my name. Um, I'm not sure if I should say what my name was because I don't want people to impersonate me hmm. and I don't you want don't people to. to call me that name. Okay. Yeah. So I changed my name and my pronouns and, um, yeah, I just kind of fell in with this group on the internet. This and, is all without me knowing. Yeah, without my mom knowing. Okay. And um, it just got worse and worse. I got, like, involved in trans activist groups when I was literally 13. And there were, like, adults and other kids in my messages, like, asking me about my identity and, like, asking me about kinks and just talking to me about like these really adult topics. And I just kind of went along with it because I'm, I don't like drama. I would say I'm pretty docile. So I just kind of went along with what these people were saying. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm super kinky. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so trans. I'm so non-binary. I made it my personality hmm. because the internet told me that it was okay. Mm -hmm. And what was the first group that you got involved in? Was it like on Reddit or something? And what was the topic um, about? Was it about identity or was it about crafting or art or something like that? Um, it was on Instagram. Um, I was mostly active on Instagram and, um, I, I am, I love anime. If you couldn't tell by the Rengoku poster, I'm a huge anime fan. So I was on like the anime side of Instagram. And of course there's a lot of, a lot of people who watch anime are usually, you know, queer kids. So that was mostly how I got exposed to it. I'm not like blaming anime at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying like, I have, I had like common interests with people who were into all this gender identity mm -hmm. stuff. And you mentioned trans activism. What did that mean? Were you just telling people not to Basically be transphobic? Just spreading and, the word. Okay. Basically spreading the good spreading. news. Okay. Yeah. 
Right. So you're a little apostle, a, a non-binary uh, NB apostle going around and teaching people pronouns and basically, like yeah. yeah, I was okay. doing that online, not really in real life because I didn't want to be bullied, but I did that online a lot. Hmm. So. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Was it uh was it kind of exciting? Did it give you a sense of purpose? And it did. Yeah, it did and... give me a sense of purpose and it gave me a sense of community because I didn't have a lot of friends in real life because of COVID and stuff. Like we couldn't go to school and see our friends anymore. So I found friends on the internet. Mm-hmm. And these were just the people I happened to fall into. And when you adopted the non-binary or pre-trans identity, did that start to affect your relationship with your body? Did you start to get dysphoria? So how did it start to confuse you or interrupt your relationship with your physical being? Um, I don't remember how or when it started. I just remember slowly, like, starting to resent my body because I thought I was a boy. I didn't have a boy's body. So I was like hating myself for it because the internet told me that, or at the time I was doing like research on being trans and stuff. And I found out about uh, gender dysphoria. And so I tricked myself into thinking that like, oh, I, I I hate my body now. It also kind of started because um, I was getting made fun of for being flat chested uh, like a couple of years prior. And I remembered like, wow, I, my body is not enough. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was telling myself. Hmm. It's just, it's so amazing how, uh, how your generation is just set aside, set upon by all of these uh, sexual expectations so young. It's just, it seems totally inappropriate and very difficult to it's deal disgusting. with. It's disgusting. Yeah. And, and troublesome, Why? especially because uh, you can't tell the age of the people that you're interacting with on the internet. You don't know who's the adult and who's not you the adult. Know most for of sure. Yeah. Um, did, did it ever cross over into people trying to meet up with you? Um, or any, anything kind of groomer-ish and you don't have to answer if that's a sensitive topic. There were a couple of people I can remember off the top of my head who were like talking about meeting up and I was on board with it cause I thought they were kids my age, but obviously I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So it was just like, dreaming i guess Hmm. like we would joke about like meeting up and stuff and and it was just eh. and the funny thing about it is that these people like were refusing to show their faces like Hmm. some of these people i was talking to they refused to show their faces because i don't know probably because some of them were adults posing as children that's just my theory Hmm. and brett when did this start to ping on your radar 
uh, gender in general or my daughter's involvement. What what Anna, what what Anna was going through. Um. So. Let's see. The beginning is. Was it? I'm trying to think of what grade it was. She was in eighth grade, and she had made a friend at the bus stop um, at school because this is in eighth grade. I believe is when. Maybe it was some. I can't keep track of exactly the dates of when, what grade she was in when uh, she was started being home. But she had made a friend at school eighth who grade. had eighth grade. Yeah, Alex. Yeah, the first Identi- day of eighth grade. Yeah, and she identified as non-binary. Um, and I was like, okay, I trust Anna. I didn't even think anything of it. I know these kids have these identities. And I'd talked to Anna multiple times. I'd been like, you know, do you identify as non-binary or a boy? Like, do you, what do you think of this stuff? And she's like, I think it's silly. I want nothing to do with it. Um, but I just really noticed a change in Anna's demeanor, you know, and she kept cutting her hair shorter and shorter. And that wouldn't have bothered me regularly. She's cut her hair short before, you know, it wouldn't have bothered me. I believe, you know, you don't have to have long hair or short hair. It's just let her experiment with her style. I've always let her dye her hair and stuff. Experiment, long hair, short hair, doesn't make you a girl, you know? And so that would not have bothered me normally, but because I knew she was friends with so many kids that for some reason were like, oh yeah, we're trans and non-binary and we're queer. And I just was just thinking, and normally she can cut her hair short. I wouldn't think anything of it, but because all of her friends were involved in that stuff, I thought, is she doing this? To me, as a point, is there a purpose to this other than just trying her style? And I noticed she started wearing sweatshirts every single day. When I first had asked her, she was wearing sweatshirts every single day. And um, and I know we were home a lot, but I mean, she just absolutely refused to let anyone know she had a shape to her body. And we were, um, I'd asked her at first, I said, I noticed that you're wearing these. It's still, it's warm outside. You don't need it does this have anything to do? Like, do you have an eating disorder? Cause I know you've been bullied about your body and how, cause she's just naturally very thin to begin with. I mean, she's very small framed, gets it from her dad's side of the family, not me. She gets it from them. Very small frame anyway. And I knew she'd been bullied before um, about having small hips and breasts when her friends are starting to get them the year before in PE, she didn't want to change clothes in the locker room for PE. So I was just like, okay, you know, body image issue. So at first I thought, Anna, is this like, do you have an eating disorder? Do we need to discuss this? And she's like, no, you've seen me eat. I eat. And it's true. You know, my husband, especially during the pandemic, we were both home a lot. I cooked, he cooked, we ate together all the time. So I knew she was eating, but she was still just hiding her body. And I even started kind of watching, like, is she purging? And she wasn't doing that either. Um, And then it just kind of hit me that, you know, she's got this group of five friends and four of them out of the five identify as NB or boys. And so I just kind of put two and two together because I was already very involved in gender critical kind of circles. Um, I'd already read Abigail Schreier months before, Mm. which was, it was my Bible. And my husband, he's actually like, you are weirdly obsessed with Abigail Schreier. And I said, she's my idol. I mean, it was. And so I'd really been like social contagion, look out for this. <laughs> and um, so after a slumber party, uh, right after school had ended, it was the beginning of June. After a slumber party and the grandma was like, you know, 
concerned the grandma whose house they were staying at was concerned and asked me, do you know that all these kids, like, what do you think of all these kids thinking they're not girls? And I was like, I knew more about it than she did. Just theoretically, like the ideology, the theory of it, um, that the grandma did, I knew more than she did. And so I was like, my daughter's in this. I just know it. So as soon as she got home, I said, I need your phone. I need to see what's in your phone. And that was when I saw that she had, um, at the time I allowed her to have Instagram and I gave her freedom because I thought they're home, you know, she should be in touch with people. And I went through her Instagram messages and some of them were audio messages. And I heard with my own ears, just what she was saying with other kids are saying like, Oh yeah, you might be trans. I saw an Anna at one point was saying, I just, I hate being a girl. I hate my body. And and I had also seen the message where she was like, yes, this is my name with the name she had made up. Um, and she said, I want to go by this. So I'm going to go by these pronouns. Like, you know, she was plugging on her Instagram, plugging the Trevor project, the same, the Trevor project is the same one, the same site. They really push the, you know, you can have a trans kid or you can have a dead kid. And I feel like with pushing that gives these children that option. And so I found all these things in her Instagram. I found really inappropriate um, messages. And then I found out that she had a, a secret TikTok account. TikTok was the only one that from the beginning, I was like, I don't want you on this. And I found a secret account that had some unsavory TikToks. So I took the phone away. I was like, we're not doing this. I said, these kids, because it wasn't just Anna's Instagram that I went through. I went through and looked at the friends she was talking to, the friends I knew she was hanging out with, because I felt like I have a right to know who are these kids, because uh, who are these kids outside of what they present to me? Who are they presenting them? Like, how are they presenting themselves to everybody else? And um, I was seeing how they were presenting themselves. And it it's not just about gender. These kids are also overly sexual and the things they're talking about you know, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I just don't believe that 13 year old kids organically have kinks. I just don't believe that. And so I felt like, okay, obviously this is influencing my child because these are all her friends and these are kids telling her, you know, well, maybe you're trans and that's why your body makes you uncomfortable. And so, yeah, that was the beginning of June. Um, and that was when I took everything away. Mm -hmm. June of and last year. Of last of year. Last, okay. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yes. June of 2021. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. I, I'm trying to be very uh, cautious in my questioning. Um, so again, just don't answer things or, or you can dodge questions and stuff. I'm just, you, you brought up that you are identifying as a lesbian. Was that something from the inside out or was that something that was, uh, Anna, that was how you would engage with your community? Do the community that you find yourself in use sexual orientation as kind of a label or like how, how you're part of a club? Yeah, it was basically like joining a club, okay. except at the time, except at the time I, um, I thought I was a lesbian because I was in middle school and none of like all the boys are gross in middle school. So I thought I was gay. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, uh, high school happened and I have a boyfriend now, so hmm. I'm obviously not gay. I still do like girls, but I'm not gay. Hmm. But at the time I thought I was because middle school boys are nasty. I, 
I'm sure they could work a little bit more on their hygiene <laughs> in the very least. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, I don't want to air dirty laundry, but what was it like for you, Anna, to um, have your mom kind of take over your social life? Uh, wh- how did you guys manage to get through that? Because that could be pretty intense um, situation. Um, I hated her for micromanaging me. Like I planned on moving out as soon as I possibly could, um, because of like, because of her taking away my social life and removing me from my friends. Like I really resented her for it. Hmm. And, um, in the hospital, I like completely avoided her calls. So our relationship really went downhill after all that happened and I was not coping well at all. So you said that you were already, uh, your mental health was already in decline when you were plugged into this online community. And when you lost that too, did you bottom out at that point with depression or anxiety or, or something? Uh, what do you mean? You said that your mental health was in decline when you were engaging with the gender yeah. stuff, and then you lost your friend group too, your your virtual friend group too. And how how did you? I, I want to understand how you got to where you are now, which, as you both say, is happy and thriving and stuff like that. But there must have been a, kind of a, a valley of the shadow of death kind of uh, uh, mm-hmm. journey that you had to go through. And how did you start to? come back to yourself and, and accept yourself as you are. So after my suicide attempt and after I had been removed from that group, um, I realized in the hospital that that just wasn't who I was. Like I realized, and none of them like ever really talked to me about my gender identity. So it's not like I was influenced by them. Um, I just realized like this is not worth losing my life over like i don't want to mess up my entire life because of this and so that was kind of when i that was when i started to become like more comfortable with myself and i started to accept myself a little more and um it was a little i was still a little unstable um i was still telling myself that I had a different name and I was still telling, or I was telling other people that I had a different name and that I had different pronouns, but deep inside, I knew that really wasn't who I was. Hmm. And, um, from there it got a little better. Um, and I started becoming involved in like being gender critical because like I resented the trans community because of all this, because it had almost cost me my life. Well, I don't think it's so much about resenting the trans community for the choices that she made. I think that after she was in the hospital, um, how little, like when school started back up and those people could see her again, how little they wanted to follow up if she wasn't in it. So the that community rejected you when you rejected that identity yeah you lost your car your club card yeah and that that was when i started becoming gender critical Hmm. um 
because like people were shunning me and casting me out because I wasn't a part of the cult anymore. So cult like behavior. They proved that they were less concerned about you as a person and more concerned mm -hmm. about you as an identity carrier. Yep. Okay. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And there are a couple of things, if you don't mind me saying, was I removed her from um, digital spaces like online communities. And I removed her from the friend, like the in-person friend groups that she was with who were egging this on and whose parents I knew were on board with it and calling her her trans name behind my back, despite me explaining what would had happened. Um, and that was why I removed her from them. But she, the whole summer, she did, she hung out with other friends. She started spending more time with, uh, with Taylor from cross country. And I let her hang out with Taylor because Taylor's dad and I had gotten along really well. And I knew that she wasn't involved in this. Like she's a very athletic girl. Contact very conservative. Like, she's conservative, but it's not even just that she's, I thought she was a good influence for Anna because she is a fantastic athlete and she does wrestling like state championship level, you know, and she's, and she's just like, okay, yeah, I can do these masculine things. I ride dirt bikes. I do jujitsu and I wrestle with the, on the boys team and I'm a girl. And I felt like that was a really good influence to be like, look, Anna, like you've got these friends who are badass and strong and do whatever they want to do. And if they are like still a girl. And I just felt like that was a good influence. And then she spent time with her friends from youth group also. So I removed Anna from one friend group in real life and then the internet, but I kind of pushed her out to spend time with her real other groups of real life friends. I kind of egged her to go out, like go spend time with people, just not those people. Hmm. Okay. So you but didn't I, completely isolate her entirely. No. You, you kind of, no, I was never isolated. Okay. I was never isolated. I was just removed from the bad influences. Okay. That's all it was. I was just removed from bad influences and that's how I grew out of that phase. I wasn't around that anymore and people weren't affirming me anymore. Mm -hmm. So I grew out of it and I realized this isn't who I am. I am comfortable being a woman and I am, I'm wearing my woman earrings right now. <laughs> and, uh, were there, Anna, were there, if, if you were going to talk to another girl and the, the where you were uh, a couple years ago, what were some of the um, therapeutic um, questions that you asked? Or did you start a, a journal? Did you start to do a diary? How did you change your headspace? How did you grow into a different way of thinking about yourself in the world? I didn't have a diary or a journal. It just kind of happened on its own. Like I just slowly stopped like, I don't know how to put it into words, but I like, I stopped identifying with it because like I wasn't around those people anymore. And I wasn't mm -hmm. being like, I was being affirmed in the hospital, but 
I didn't feel comfortable with people using they, them, and he, him, and using my fake name anymore. Like, I just, like, while I was in the hospital, I realized, like, I don't like this. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of complexity around her suicide attempt that was not exactly, I guess, I didn't have an opportunity to really explain. Um, It was a lot more complex than, oh, my mom didn't affirm me and now I'm suicidal. And so I'm going to attempt suicide. She had actually been seeing a therapist for months prior to this because of the COVID isolation. I could tell she was getting depressed. I have a history of depression. So I just knew, you know, stay ahead of it. And I think it's very cruel and it's very simplistic and it's very dishonest to say that affirmation, you know, hiding her trans identity was why she wanted suicide because her, um, about what was it? Two weeks prior to your attempt, Anna, that your doctor, uh, your pediatrician put you on Prozac. Was it? Yeah. just about. So, so there's a lot of things going on. This girl has been isolated during COVID, like while she still had the internet and her only community was the internet who not only was interested in gender and sexuality, but it's also a lot of competition who has the most mental disorders, depression, autism, ADHD, bipolar disorder. The more you have, the more mental illnesses you have, the more clout you have. So it's like a competition. The more valid to be depressed. You are. Yeah. It's like a competition to be depressed. And I, that was obviously influencing her as well. That was the first thing I saw. And so two weeks before her suicide attempts, um, and she was still interested in the trans stuff at the time, but she'd never mentioned it to her therapist that she privately saw without me there. She never mentioned it to her pediatrician who she spoke to without me there. Um, but she got diagnosed with depression and her pediatrician put her on a low dose of Prozac. And the pediatrician said this, you know, we're going to start very small. There is always the small chance that once you start an antidepressant, you could get suicidal ideation. So that possibility was already there just chemically from the medicine. Um, and then a week after she got started on the medicine was when I found those things in her phone. And that's when I was like, okay, we're cracking down because you're already depressed, which is why you're taking this medicine. You already have depression. This is not helping. This community is is very unhealthy. And you sitting here talking about how you can't wait to get on hormones. I will not be party to that. And I don't want you talking to people who will get them for you against my wishes, because that's also happening. And part of the reason the real life friend group I removed her from is because her best friend in that group, that best friend's mother not only knows that her daughter identifies as trans or non-binary, um, but her even after Anna was in the hospital, her mom, against my wishes, knowing how I felt, was still calling Anna her, her trans name to me. And so I felt like she's still affirming my child, even though she knows that gender dysphoria was not a diagnosis. I don't trust that she won't get my child hormones at Planned Parenthood. Anna was almost, Anna was a month away, two months away from being 15. So that was a viable possibility. And so I'd taken Anna's phone away. And about, was it two days later that you made your, you uh, made the attempt? Yeah. Like two or three days days later. Yeah. But this was within two weeks of starting an antidepressant. And so that's a question that all all this was like my breaking point. Hmm. Uh, And you were 15 or 14 at this time? I was 14. 14, almost 15 when I found out. And that's kind of the thing is there are answers I will never get, such as um, did the Prozac contribute to her suicidal ideation? 
you know, because that's chemically very possible and I can never confirm that. Um, I'll, I'll never know if, sorry, it's a lot. I just won't know if it was deliberately because she felt like I'd hurt her so badly. And did she feel like I hurt her so badly by taking her from those things because she felt because she was genuinely just so mad at me or was it also underlying depression, new medication? It's such a layered, it was such a layered situation. You know, it's so much, it's not as simplistic as no affirmation, suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like that's really important to point out too, is because they don't see her medical history. I do know that when we, when she, in the state of Illinois, if you make a suicide attempt, you have to go inpatient. Um, definitely for pediatric, uh, pediatric suicide attempts. And while she was inpatient at the state pediatric facility, um, I had called her therapist and her pediatrician to be like, Hey, can you please send this stuff up to, to the facility? Um, this is what happened with Anna and both her pediatrician who saw her two weeks before and put her on medication and her therapist who had spoken to her a week before her suicide attempt were both had both said, we are shocked. We did not have any suspicion that she, we knew she was depressed and struggling with, you know, anxiety, but we had no suspicions that she was in active suicidal ideation. She, there was nothing as trained professionals who have, Anna's been seeing her pediatrician for the last five years, four or five years. And her psychiatrist had seen her for the last year at the time. So they'd had established relationships. And both Slap of the physicians about to die. Oh yeah. Oh, plug it in. Um, and it, did you? Uh, did the? Uh, how long were you on the Prozac? And did that make you foggy? Did it? Did it help? Did it relieve some of your negative thoughts? Did it clear up your head or do the no, opposite? It was you? only two weeks into taking it. Okay, I, I think it does take like a week or two for it to start to kick in i'm not sure though around a month before it before you like notice changes i think okay yeah is it around it, a month um i don't remember with prozac they put, i'm pretty sure i remember her saying like three to four weeks okay did the um did at the hospital was it uh like medication that they uh gave to you or was, was there therapy was there group uh sessions and stuff like that all of that yeah. And were, was that helpful, the, the, the therapeutic aspect of this, uh, or was it just the natural way that you're, you were thinking and rethinking through things that, that um, was the main driver? I think it was mostly just me rethinking everything, because mm -hmm. I started to like question everything after my suicide attempt. And I was like, I started to realize, I don't think I'm actually trans. Because I hadn't mentioned feeling dysphoric at all to any of my therapists. Like, mm. I never talked about it once. So I thought about that, and I was thinking, I don't think I'm actually dysphoric. I don't think I'm actually trans because, like, now that I've been removed from all these people, like, I don't feel like I hate myself as much. Mm. Like, I don't feel like I... I don't know how to explain this, but I feel like it sucks to be a girl these days. Like it sucks. And I wanted a part of me 
like wanted an escape from that. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to be a boy. Cause like being a girl sucks. And I thought that me thinking being a girl sucks was part of being trans. And so I like just rethought everything in my head. I went through, I went through everything in my head and I was just like, ah, this isn't for me. This isn't who I am. And when you uh, backed away from that, uh, did you have more time to devote to other things? Did you have to go and discover a new hobby or did you get back into earlier I hobbies? I started drawing. I started oh, okay. drawing more. I, I was already drawing before then, but um, like I had picked up this hobby uh, while I was in the hospital because we were encouraged to draw and play games and stuff. Um, so I started drawing more often and I like developed an art style because I wasn't so wrapped up in like all of this gender stuff. Like I found a real hobby. I went outside and touched some grass and like every, everything was starting to like look brighter, I guess. Like I picked up an actual hobby other than activism on the internet. Yeah. And you were able to develop a skill rather than uh, understand a code of conduct within a very limited social domain. Yeah, that's a that's like the perfect way to put it. Hmm. Like I was devoting myself to like actual useful and productive things. So the picture that your mom posted on the internet has a very salacious t-shirt that you're wearing. It says a woman as an adult human female. How did you get that t-shirt? And was that something your mom forced um, on you? To... I stole it from my mom. <laughs> yeah. I stole it from her. I insisted on like wearing it because I couldn't find mine because she bought one for me, but I couldn't find it. So I was like, I don't no. care that this t-shirt is too big. I'm yes. going to steal it. I bought one for her because she stole mine when I was the only one who had one. And she kept stealing mine. And that's why she got her own. Just so you know, like, it's not like I bought her one, like, for no reason. She kept stealing mine in the first place. So I bought her her own. And when uh, she couldn't find it on this particular day of school, she took mine. Because it was kind of an argument. Because I said you are like an extra, extra small and I am a large and this is, this swallows you whole. I was like, you can't wear my t-shirt, wear something else or find yours. And she's like, nope, I'm wearing it. And she took it. And so I said, okay, this outfit is really cute. You know, I want to take a picture of it. And she's like, yeah, I love this outfit. And the thing about it that's crazy is that everyone's saying how dead inside she looks is Anna said she liked that picture. I asked her, I said, hey, is it cool if I post this picture? Because I think your outfit and you just look really cute. And she's like, yeah, I, I was love like, that yeah, one. go ahead. I was like, yeah, go ahead and post it. Because I was proud of that picture of me. I looked adorable. Tell them, tell them about the first day of school. Oh, my God. Speaking know? of the way people are treating her. Hey, Miley, do you want to come up and tell this story? Too, last we last year or, or this year? This year. Uh oh, what happened? Hey, Miley. Oh, first day of school. Is so bad. This is Miley. Hi. She was there. Um, <laughs> first day of school. At lunch, a girl came up to us and sat across from us. And we were talking. And this girl suddenly said, um, are you Anna Dutton? Yeah, like full name. 
like she knew my full name. I had no idea who this girl was. Um, like she knew my name <laughs> and she was like, are you Anna Dutton? And then she started insulting me and saying like, I hate you. Like she was, didn't she go, didn't she go like, are you Anna Dutton, the turf? No, she, no, she didn't Anna say Dutton. that. Oh, she okay. was like, cause we were talking about some other girl and she was like, that happens to be my best friend. Are you Anna Dutton? And then she started like cussing us out. <laughs> why so this was uh school just started so she had yeah. somehow seen this twitter uh thread no 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 this no. twitter thread just happened this like tuesday monday okay yeah so who- she knew who i was she knew who i was because my freshman year um i was really starting to lean into the turf stuff and i offended <laughs> quite a few people <laughs> And so the gay community at my school, like they all know who I am. They all hate me well, it's, <laughs> because I'm now a turf. It's not even really the gay community. It's the kids with gender identities because Anna's best friend Miley is a lesbian. I'm pretty sure the gays don't hate you, Anna. It's just. No, the- I, I really don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> is So the social pressure is pretty, um, pretty thick from your uh from your age group what about the school from the top down are you guys uh do you get punished if you don't uh change pronouns that you use for people who want to change pronouns are you guys being taught the gender identity in your yeah over the intercom over the intercom last year they were like they mentioned like respecting pronouns and calling people by their preferred name and i was like rolling my eyes the whole time i was like stupid Hmm. is do you have a a finger on how other people that are not a part of the gender identity business uh in your classes uh how they think are they rolling their eyes too are they on board what's the general they all think it's stupid too okay they're all rolling their eyes too except for the whole group that's in drama club yeah except for them the drama club them no i don't believe (laughs) surprising (laughs) Well, well, I mean, so it's, it's already a group of people pretending to be something else. So, I mean, it's right up their alley. against Anna. They all hate me. Hmm. It's hilarious. Anna. Okay, so how do you deal with that then? You don't absorb it. Like, it sounds like you were pretty yeah. sensitive early and you wanted to dodge uh, conflict, but now your attitude seems to be changed. I used to be really timid about, like, my opinions, and now I'm just like, no, if you're female, I'm not going to call you he. Like, just straight up, I'm, like, very open about how I feel. I don't go, like, harassing people and, like, telling people this is how you should think. It's just whenever someone else tries to push their ideology on me or whenever someone tries to correct the pronouns that I use for someone, I'm like, no, I'm going to stick with what I believe. Hmm. Hmm. And that was... That started last year and she wasn't going about it hatefully. It's just she and I had had a conversation like it's okay to say what you see, you know, calling things like you see them is a safeguarding thing. And I'm not going to call a boy a she just because he puts on a skirt and puts on a wig. Like, no, I can still. But she started taking on that attitude. She started taking on that attitude last year last school year, probably in the spring. And that was why when school started beginning of this year, she had had that reputation as being an evil turf. And I admit, I wear that label proudly, honestly, 
I've actually tried to talk her and be like, listen, do you understand all the things included in that? There's nothing about hating trans people. We don't hate trans people. We just think that it's very, there's a lot of issues with it, but it's just really unfair to have to validate someone else's identity at cost of your truth because their truth shouldn't matter more than yours to you. I just, you know. Like they expect you to respect them, but maybe if you want me to respect you, you should also respect that I have different beliefs. Hmm. That's just how I see it. It could be another trap to start to obsess about it all over again by being an activist in the other direction. Uh, Have you, have you gone Mm -hmm. through like to what, what amount of time do you want to spend thinking about this stuff, Anna? I mean, I guess when it's put in your face all the time, that's, that's one thing. Um, I only ever really like to talk about it when it gets brought up first. Like I don't, I don't bring it up. I just wait for a conversation to happen naturally. And then I talk about what I believe. It's not like I'm like pushing my ideology onto people like these people are. I'm just, whenever it gets brought up and whenever I'm asked, asked, asked a question, I answer and I, you know, talk about it. And what do you think about the future? What, and when you were really depressed and when you were doing the activism, what did you think about the world and the future? And how do you think about the world and the future now? Um, I'm scared for the future because all these kids are sterilizing themselves because they're being affirmed. And then when, when eventually these kids realize that they're not actually trans and they're when they become adults and they realize they're not actually trans and they grow out of that phase. Like now these people can't have children. They can't live their lives the way they want to now because of all this affirming that's going on. And there are literally gender affirming therapists. Like the whole job of a therapist is to tell you like you, okay, this is the best way I know how to put it into words. You don't affirm a child with an eating disorder. You don't tell them, oh, you're, you've lost so much weight. You look great. You don't say that to someone with an eating disorder. When somebody is mentally ill, you treat it and you find the cause. You don't lean into it. You don't let them lean into it. You try to bring them out of whatever's causing that, if that makes sense. When we were first, uh, kind of last school year with Anna when we were first she decided she was over the gender stuff but I was still just like so you understand these are the things that can happen if you think you have an identity and then you decide later you don't you know like it's okay if I don't affirm you now and when you become an adult you decide you still do like if you're trans now and I don't you affirm you you should still be trans when you're an adult right like that's how that's supposed to work isn't it and that's kind of that was kind of I told her that. And so I said, so if that's the case, then if you aren't, if you think you're trans now and you aren't, then you could be setting yourself up for just regretting your decisions. So especially as a child, we're not doing this. And, you know, if you're trans now, you'll be trans later. If you really feel that way is basically what I told her. Mm -hmm. And so just to kind of explain that there are people who regret it, we started watching videos of um, interviews or just uh, YouTube channels put up by um, like, detransitioners was really what we focused. I don't even remember the ones we were really 
watching, but I just kind of, you know, showing her tweets and YouTube videos of detransitioners. Like this is, these are the reasons we slowly make these choices. And, and did, kind of, you were, you were gunning for hormones and what, what did you think that you would get out of uh, testosterone? I don't even know. I was just told that um, I should start taking hormones, like, again, by the by these people on the internet. Um, people were talking about getting hormone therapy, and I was curious, so I was asking questions about it to my friends. And they made it seem like it'll solve all your problems to chop off my breasts and take, um, and to take, like, testosterone and just completely mess up my body for good and sterilize did, myself basically. Yeah, did you, did you do, do research? Did you understand that it would change your voice and you couldn't get your yeah, I knew. voice back? And okay. And I knew it would change my and, you, voice. Yeah. and I knew I wouldn't ever get that back, but I thought I was trans. So I was mm. okay with not getting my female voice back. So you guys, uh, how does it feel to be viral? Anna and Brett, was that a, was Anna, that a great, first. was it's, that a wonderful ride for you? Honestly, it's really entertaining. <laughs> like scrolling through the comments and seeing how deranged these people are, it's really entertaining. But I think they mean well in their world. I'm sure they have good intentions. They're still insane. Well, they think that you're going to die in a moment now and that they're going to try to spring you from your mom's house. It seems like they I'm, would come and rescue you. Yeah. Like I'm appalled that I'm like disgusted that these people are like calling me he and like posing as me on Reddit. Like there was one Reddit post where someone was pretending to be me and I was like, just I don't know, but hmm. overall, like being viral, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Is this what you want to be viral for? <laughs> no, not really. But I'm just saying, like in general, I think it's good to get my story out there and to let hmm. people know that, you know, not everybody who says they're trans is actually trans. Hmm. And it's okay. It's okay to be a feminine boy or a masculine girl. Like that doesn't make you trans. That doesn't like being a girl and liking boyish things doesn't make you a boy. That's just sexist stereotypes right there. Hmm. There are different definitions to a woman. You can be a woman who likes sports. You can be a woman who likes makeup and dresses. Like there are so many different possibilities. And I think it's good to get my story out there to let people know that so that they don't go down the same path that I did with all the gender stuff. Hmm. And when you uh, let behind uh, or let go of your trans identity uh, and you started to embrace um, being a woman, did you start to have fun with fashion? Was that something that you could play around with? And Yeah. yeah. Like I started feeling more comfortable wearing like typically girly clothes. Like I'm wearing, I'm wearing a rose dress right now and makeup and I've got my hair tied back like you know, everything's good. I told I started her she to could wear whatever she wanted. <laughs> I started to experiment with myself. Uh, and by experiment, you don't mean like 
trying out fentanyl. You, you mean like uh, no curling your hair? <laughs> I just want to make that no. clear. No, by experiment, by experiment, <laughs> I mean like with my style. Yeah, like I started. This is funny that that's where you went. I just wanted to clear it up because there's a lot of people out there. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> sir. Experiment has a very loaded uh, meaning in these. It times. really does. Yeah, yeah yes, it can does. use. It can be that word can be used in almost any context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so, kind of, I guess to to wrap up. So, so you have a boyfriend now, and and uh, you're involved in uh, thinking about getting a driver's license. And uh, I guess you're just a sophomore. So, what do you, what are you thinking about the future for your own self? Like, what do you want to do? What where do you want to go with your um, life? I want a career in either biology or graphic design for the most part or animation. Um, so I, I'm still not entirely sure like what the future holds. Um, I'm still not entirely sure what I want to be, but I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about the future, like for myself. Um, so Sorry, I'm spacing out. I'm tired. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I feel good about the future, like for the most part. Besides, like everything else going on in the world, um, I think I think I'm gonna have a good life. What about you, Anna? Or I'm sorry, Brett. Oh, it's okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> for like our future, her future. I, I, I don't think know. Like, in- yeah. I think she can do anything she wants. You know, I think she's a, got a good head on her shoulders. I think, I think a lot of these kids during COVID just really struggled with who they are and then feeling so alone when they were forced to be home. And I, when she was inpatient, um, like in the ER after her attempt, the, uh, pediatric emergency doctor on call that morning actually told me, that um because i told them what had happened and the doctor actually said that over the course of covid they have seen a horrifying uptick in adolescent suicides and attempts and so i think that's that was a big factor for me also is that if the doctor hadn't said hey we've seen this uptick since covid you know if if suicide rates had or attempts had stayed the same among young teenagers and anna just happened to be like you know, this person who really wanted to kill themselves. I'm, I may have approached things differently with how to move forward with who she can and should and shouldn't be around. But because I saw that, oh, lots of other kids are being influenced with this, you know, all of a sudden this, this thing that, you know, happened so rarely is happening so much more frequently. And the doctors there said she'd seen kids in the ER as young as like nine and 10. You know, and I'm not saying that there aren't children who feel suicidal, but not at these rates. The doctor said so herself. And I think because she told me the rates had been so increased, that really, for me, affirmed my beliefs that, yeah, this is, you know, influenced. This is a social contagion. And I've seen some of the comments on the tweet saying how, oh, I'm calling it a contagion. You know, back what they used to say when they would, how they'd talk about the, you know, 
LGB people back in the day. And it's like, no, I don't say contagion is in you guys are sick and diseased and to be avoided. I say contagion as in social contagion, but it's Twitter. I only have so many characters, but social contagion. And it absolutely is. Um, and I, I do think that just kind of removing your kid from that and letting them find themselves brightens their future even more. Like I'm living proof of that, I'd say. Well, I'm, I'm very honored to be able to uh, speak with you and, and do this interview. So thank you very much uh, for that. And I do, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that you guys got such vile, uh, vile treatment and just totally just beyond the pale. But Anna, your humor is very, uh, very telling that you're able to take things in stride and, and uh, you understand uh, kind of what the internet's really all about. And it's kind of a, kind of a fake world in a lot of ways, even though there's a lot of yeah. good things like we're doing right now that we can do through it. So. Social media is toxic. I like the only thing I have now is Snapchat. And I also, I, I do want to say too, um, probably over the summer, I told Anna, I, I removed all the monitoring apps. I don't monitor her texts and her apps and stuff anymore. Like we've really got to where that trust has been earned back. We talk more openly than we did before. We keep fewer secrets. Um, so I don't have these monitoring apps on her phone anymore. That was a temporary solution till we got through to see what our next steps should be, you know, but removing from that social media bubble was just the first step that I felt I needed to take. So she doesn't have, I'm not monitoring all of her texts anymore or uh, anything like that. And I think was it over the summer or the end of last school year, I even said, you know, if you want to get an Instagram account again, because you are making art and you want to share that, you know, and you hang out with your friends and you have experiences and take cute pictures, you could do that. I mean, we'll set it on private. So just, you know, your real life friends have access, but you're totally welcome to get that back. And she's like, I'm good. Hmm. Like, I don't so people, want it anymore. Like genuinely, I just don't like social media anymore. I even went out of my way to be like, okay, I'm going to do the interview from the dining table and you can do it in your room if you want. That way you don't, you know, you're not sitting beside me like a Stockholm syndrome person. So they don't think I'm like prodding you, you know, being like with a shocker if you don't say what I want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those comments, I think some people truly believe that. I think what really hurt my feelings too is I thought those pictures of Anna, she looked absolutely beautiful and happy and she was doing so well. And there were people who were like, her eyes look dead inside. And I'm just like, she looks so excuse me. I know. Like yeah. that's so rude. Yeah. Like honestly, that's more of an insult. That's an yeah. insult more than anything. Sure. Yeah. Also, it, it was it, the morning, and I'm not a morning person, so if like <laughs> we're still dead inside. <laughs> It's because I'm not a graceful waker. Hmm. Yeah, also a, very you, true. Your coffee. Yet. Um, that That's a good point though. Uh, in the uh, pro and uh, well, I guess in the GC TRA battle, um, yeah. we do th throw kids under the bus, you know, and we, we use them to promote our side or to denigrate the other side and stuff. And so it, it, it is uh, part of the reason why I really want to do this interview is to humanize you, and because Twitter mm -hmm. and social media doesn't really do what oh, no. we can do. And they in don't think I can. Like they send myself. bomb threats. Yeah, and I also you. feel like I mm -hmm. also feel like they don't think I can think for myself. Like 
they think because I'm not trans anymore, it's automatically because my mom is forcing me. That's not what I can't force her to do like anything. I can I can barely force her to make a bed. Well, you know, the the same people who would, uh, who are against your mother and for you being trans, Anna, if you had transed yourself and then detransitioned, they would have been saying you were never trans to begin with. Mm -hmm. They don't really care. It doesn't seem like, um, they just want to support their ideals. And that's actually another thing that I did. Benjamin, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did, is it okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry. That was another thing that I have a really big issue with. Um, is that these people are claiming they're so worried that I'm abusing my child and that she's going to kill herself and that she is at risk of actual danger. And they're so worried about that, that their response was to dox me, to send me a bomb threat and to six CPS on me to remove her from my home and go post our address too. they put. Yeah, that's what doxing is. And so these same people who were worried that I was going to harm her, put her in harm and the worst part about that is, is she has two younger siblings. We have, um, she has a sister who is going to be two on Halloween and a brother who turned four last month uh, in August. I'm sorry. So yeah, that was last month. I'm so sorry. And so that's the thing is like, if they're so worried about her safety, why would they actually put her in real danger? So I was sent up what two of the things this is really interesting. I mean, it's not interesting. It's very upsetting <laughs> but when they, um, on Twitter, when I received those the bomb, the pipe bomb threat, uh, and I reported it, Twitter said that that didn't violate their terms of service. So I filed Threats a real life- violence. Yeah, that's what I filed it under, and they said it didn't violate terms. But you don't think that people are going to really do it, but you just don't know because some people are very extreme in what they believe. <laughs> and on top of that, um, doxing me in general, putting my address out there. I have small children in my home. I have Anna in my home. How can you purport to care about children that you think are being harmed and hurt and then threaten to blow up the home they live in? Hmm. Like, that's just, they don't, those comments made very clear that they don't care about Anna's well-being. They don't care about her happiness unless she's happy with what they want her to be happy with. And unless she's thriving under their thumb, they can't stand the idea that she is actually very safe and healthy and happy and not interested in them. That just that drives them crazy, crazy enough to send me bomb threats. Hmm. Hmm. But they didn't misgender you in the bomb threat. So there's no way that they violated Twitter terms of service, right? Basically. Exactly. Absolutely. And I've actually got a collection and... I don't remember if I sent this to you or not. I've got a collection of the all the hate mail that I received in my DMs. It was really fascinating. Um, after CPS came and I messaged you and I was like, guess what just happened in my house? You know, because I'm on a suspension for my hateful tweets. Um, they weren't really that hateful. Did I send those to you? Like the things I actually said? No, not yet. Oh, no. Yeah. I'll send you an archive of everything, but I didn't really say anything hateful. I mean, by normal standards. By Twitter standards, yes, obviously, but not by common sense standards. Um, and I got a seven days. I'm on a seven day suspension. I think I have like four days left, three, four days left of that. Oh, yeah. But bomb threats and doxing are fine with with Twitter, except after you shared that the uh, CPS came and that I filed a real police report. Somebody must have found out about that because I know that Katie Montgomery had retweeted me and um, 
Alejandra Carabella had retweeted me. And that was kind of how the Alejandra retweeting me, I know, was how Gays Against Groomers got a hold of my story, too, you know, and gave it more traction um, because I saw their tweet about it. And so that was but they were actually organizing like they were it was it was a campaign to dox me. You know, that doesn't happen on its own. People got together to be like, okay. And after you sent the message out that um, I filed a real police report, I noticed two things was that uh, I haven't received a single new DM in my Twitter. I haven't turned off my messages. I don't know if Twitter did, you know, because I had to report so many, maybe. I don't know if Twitter turned off my messages. I don't know if it got out there in those groups that were campaigning to be like, Hey, she's actually calling cops because this one's not afraid of us. Hmm. You know, I'm not, and I say afraid of us, but what I mean is I think a lot of people are silenced into submission. Women are kind of bullied. Women are bullied to be silenced if they disagree with this, but I actually wore my shirt. Women will not be bullied out of resistance. And I am not the one who's going to be bullied out of it. And so I filed a real real police report and that's when I noticed, huh, I'm not getting hate mail anymore. Interesting. Mm. So I don't know if Twitter is just not letting me get messages or if they are like, oh, we could get in real trouble because cyber crimes is now involved. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same people who have, uh, I guess they kicked off tons of people, but James Lindsay is a friend of mine. He got nuked by this Alejandro person. Um, Series is one of my favorite books. Yeah. And uh, they're the ones who are going around doxing or um, crying that they're being doxed and crying that they're being uh, under assault by, uh, you know, Internet meanies. And then they are also leading these campaigns that are, you know, very destructive. A lot of the message, a lot of the messages I received too in my inbox were kill yourself, you know, for me or your daughter's going to commit suicide. I think to spare her life, kill yourself, things like that. One said that they wanted to fist fight me in hell. And I'm sitting there thinking, and then they blocked me. Like they're saying they want to fist fight me, but they're afraid I might reply with words. I don't, it makes zero sense to me, but but the most fascinating thing about this whole debacle for me is how I've been called a like far right winger. This is being spread that I am just, we've been called Nazis. Yeah. And we're Jewish. Well, yeah. Like, (laughs) She has Jewish heritage, like ethnically. Uh, we're Jewish. Like she's and had a nice. Someone called my mom a Nazi. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Christ, yeah. fascist. That's the. It doesn't matter what's in yeah. her. It doesn't matter what's in her blood. It matters what's in their heads. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. what's so just bizarre to me. This whole thing is bizarre to me. I just, how is it not bizarre? How is this? I'm getting, I'm being told to kill myself by people who are supposed to want to be kind to others. They and preach about kindness and then they threaten people with violence I've and they accused, put children in danger. I've been accused of being far right and I'm, I'm not at all. I'm a pretty, I guess I would, I'm what is considered maybe a classic liberal, but I've been a registered Democrat for years I have been a registered Democrat. I'm not far right. I was at the women's marches in 2017, the first ones, you know, I was at those. I'm absolutely not. And But the more this stuff happens, the more that left-wing politics impacts children, 
I'm done with partisan politics. And it's amazing and terrifying to me that they're framing this as protecting your children is a partisan issue. It's literally not. This is humanitarian, hmm. you know, protect like and when I say that, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left. If this is not about politics. This is about we are medicalizing children and putting them on pathways that they may regret that or they cannot undo. People. And not all of them. Some of them do have dysphoria and they do benefit. And Some I believe that's true. But I believe most of them don't. But when we have these policies in place, that's like you don't have to have a diagnosis of gender dysphoria, really, to get you don't have to go through intense counseling. Is there an underlying issue? And I knew my daughter was already depressed. So, I mean, I knew that underlying issue existed. And honestly, I think if more of the people who are like, well, I'm trans and I'm happy and you're denying your child this life. I think if more of them were actually happy people because transition made them better, they wouldn't still be so depressed and bored and angry that they're doing this to me. Happy people don't do those things. You know, so they're kind of proving the cause, the case, they're making the case that obviously transition isn't working for everybody. You're obviously an unhappy person. Because hmm. hmm. I mean, Blair White, Blair White is a transgender woman and she's like completely happy with herself. Like she's talked about how she's not getting bottom surgery and she's still completely happy with herself now. I mean, hmm. transitioning works for some people, but for most people, it doesn't. And the detransitioner numbers are rising. Yeah. It's, uh, it's worrisome. But um, I am happy for you, Anna, that you've uh, found your footing in life. And you have a lot, of, uh, you have a lot more work to do. And so uh, sinking your time into an identity that is not benefiting you, I'm glad that you're past that and you're able to experiment uh, in, in good ways. Um, and and develop and be creative like develop my art style for example yeah. your art style uh, your speaking style maybe you'll maybe eventually you'll start a youtube channel uh, or something like that who knows who knows you know who knows but um thank you so much we'll wrap up the recording any final words uh I feel like there is something I wanted to say, but this has just been so much. My brain has just not yeah. shut down. Mostly, like I said, the, the CPS coming to my house, like that's, I just feel like that's a boundary. I, you know, that is a boundary to mess with the mother and her children, you know, with no evidence of, with no evidence, you know, these are the same people that are like the, all cops are bastards group who say, don't call the police, even if you see a crime, because you could put the, you know, lives in danger. If the cops are there, people could die. And yet they're totally fine with sicking, you know, the government on me. It's just. Well, it's I, cruel. I, it's they're cruel. provocateurs and bad actors and, and it's, it's, it's crowdsourced. So there's no. There's no central planning. It's just everybody's just kind of in the mix, right? And so yeah. it's important for anybody who wants to engage in this to to engage with a level of uh, respectability so that their side can uh, be seen as good. Um, there is, there is a bad one more, absolutely bad actors. But there's another thing that I actually want to let other parents who are going through this know is that... Um, so I just had it and then it just slipped from my mind. So um, 
when, when CPS came and she talked to me and she saw all this harassment and hatred I was getting. And she, I told her, I said, it's because I took my child off the internet. I removed her from social media. I let her have a real life, you know, with people in the world on her feet and not at a desk. And that's why they're calling me abusive. And the CPS caseworker, and I want other parents to know this too, in case something like this happens to them, taking your child from the internet and removing them from social media, that is not, that is not abuse. That is parenting. That is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to protect our children from influences that we feel are dangerous. It doesn't mean we're taking away their right to make decisions. It doesn't mean we're taking away their autonomy, but adults don't have privacy on the internet. Everything we put online, that is out there forever. So we should shield our children from that before they can make the decision for everything they do to be out there forever. And the CPS worker, so everyone knows, because I feel like this is so important. She said that I did absolutely the correct thing to take my child off the internet. She told me that if there were more parents who kept track of what their kids were doing and who took their children off the internet like this and removed them from social media, if more parents did what I did, she would have a smaller caseload. Hmm. And that's what she said. That's what CPS told me. So I don't know what your state's going to say. I don't, you know, for people listening or parents who are dealing with this, I don't know what the state governing body for where you're uh, where you are is going to say about affirmation. And that is a scary thought, but just regarding, if you take your kid off the internet, you are doing the right thing in the eyes of social workers. Hmm. Well, and I just feel like, yeah. well, if this particular one, yeah. but if, I mean, based on just good ethics and good common sense, you know, well, it's good, not child abuse in the very least one would hope. But. It's definitely not something that CPS feels I should have my children taken from me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel like that's really important for others to know if they want to make the decision to remove their kids, you know, obviously that's their decision to make. They should look into that much more. But I know in my situation, I was told I did the right thing by the people they tried to sick on. Like people tried to sick this woman on me to tell me like to take my children out of my home. And she told me she wished more parents did what I did. Hmm. So that's just, if you need some hope. Hmm. Well, um, let's wrap it up there thank you so Sorry. much for joining me and uh Thanks it was for wonderful to yeah meet uh meet you both and anna thank you for for being so open about your your personal life um i i really do think that stories such as yours do make an impact and and uh and reach people who are feeling very isolated hearing stories like yours uh from my so. own detransitioner interviews a lot of people are getting a lot of hope and and uh and good benefit from them. So thank you so much. That's that's what I hope to spread by telling my story. So thank you. Like, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Brett. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. <laughs> I don't know how to leave. There we go. <laughs> Have a good day. Bye.